Good morning. I remember all too well the events of December the 14th, 2012. I had just driven down to Charlotte to Guitar Center and had purchased a new electric guitar and amplifier for my son, Jack. It was his big Christmas present that year. He was 11 years old. On my way back home, there was a news report on the radio that something horrific had occurred. Someone had gone into an elementary school in Newtown, Connecticut with a gun and was shooting children and teachers. By the time I got home, the story of the Sandy Hook elementary shooting was all over the news on every, every channel. 26 people were shot and killed that day, 20 of them six and seven-year-old children. The other six were teachers and church staff or school staff. What I remember most uh, about that day is just the utter sickness that I felt the feeling I had, uh, the joy that I had from purchasing that gift for my son, the happiness I had for my own child, and then how that just completely disappeared and how I was overcome uh, for quite some time, just consumed with grief and with sadness, uh, with anger. And I couldn't function really, for, for hours, even days after that. Fast forward 10 years to this past Tuesday. Like all of you, I heard the news of the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. This time, 19 children and two teachers shot and killed. Like all of you, I was just devastated by this, by this tragedy. But I didn't dwell on it quite as long as I did 10 years ago. I wasn't as overcome. I was able to function. I was sad, of course, devastated, and still am. But I moved on with my life just as I had moved on with my life 10 days earlier when I learned the news of how 10 people had been shot and killed in Buffalo, New York in a grocery store. I like to think of myself as a caring person, a compassionate man, and so it concerns me, and it's concerned me now for several days, that I was able to just move on so easily and so quickly after 21 people, 19 of them being children who were killed. I submit to you that none of us, none of us should be able to function. As individuals, as a a culture, none of us should be able to function after such a tragedy. That we should all be consumed with grief And I don't know that we are, 
like me, I think for a lot of us, we've, we've moved on. We're sad, but we've moved on. We're numb to these tragedies now. Each shooting, I think, is, is a, a lot like another booster shot that just sort of numbs our ability to feel the pain and to feel the sickness that this evil of, of gun violence is that we now just uh, live with. We live with it. So what can we do? As followers of Christ, is there anything we can do? Today is Ascension Sunday on the church calendar, Christian calendar. When I learned that I was on the preaching schedule today, believe me, I had something very different in mind to to talk about. In fact, when the events of this past week occurred, I considered actually changing uh, and preaching from a completely different scripture uh, until I realized that these words from from Acts chapter 1 really are, I believe, what we need to hear today. Ascension Day is is not a big holiday for most Christians, at least most, not most Protestant Christians. If you grew up Roman Catholic, which I know some of you probably did, uh, you, you likely did celebrate uh, and talked about the Ascension Day more than most Protestant Christians do. But somewhere along the line, many Christians lost the significance of, of the Ascension of our Lord, and, and that's unfortunate. Even though we do affirm the ascension of Christ most Sundays when we say the Apostles' Creed, the third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We know these words, but I don't know that we really think about them and celebrate them the way we do some of the other Christian days. For people like Augustine, The early church father, St. Augustine, the prominent leader of Christianity, the ascension was was central to our understanding of who who Jesus is. Without his ascension, Augustine would say the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus really wouldn't mean all that much. Jesus' ascension, Augustine would say, is, is the completion, it's the fruition of, of his earthly mission. It marks his coronation, so to speak, because now he sits at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning over his creation. Augustine puts it this way. He says, the resurrection of our Lord is our hope, but the ascension of our Lord is our glorification. So Christ's ascension serves sort of as this segue. It's sort of like a hinge between Jesus' ministry on earth and ours, the church's ministry. So as Jesus rules now over his creation, he is now looking to us. He's looking to his church to continue the work that he started. The good news for us is that Jesus doesn't expect that we will do this on our own. He doesn't expect us to do it in our own power or by our own cleverness or by our own hard work. Jesus says right there in Acts chapter 1 that, that the power of the Holy Spirit will be sent to us and that, that power will, will help us to be his witnesses 
in the world so that we can move his mission forward on earth. We will celebrate the power of that Holy Spirit actually next week on Pentecost Sunday. But today on Ascension, the Ascension of the Lord Sunday, we consider what it means for Jesus to ascend to heaven. And essentially, pass the torch to us, to the church, to put us in charge. The ascended Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, and he has accomplished his mission. His ascension is now the foundation of our mission, which is to bring the message of Christ to the world. Jesus has delegated his power to you and to me, his church. Which brings me back to what I was speaking of a moment ago, that feeling of of numbness that I think many of us have felt these past few days with the news of uh, yet another mass shooting and more deaths in our country. What can we do as the church? What do we do as Christians to make this message of Jesus real in a world where violence and and vitriol and, and division and death have just become the norm? What do we do to make the message of Jesus real in a world where guns, realistically, whether we want to admit this or not, whether where guns are worshipped more than God by a good portion of our population. How do we speak? How do we live the truth of Jesus into that world in a way that makes a difference? Our culture more than ever, needs the true light of of Jesus. We don't need demagogues. We don't need slogans. But we need people that will reflect the light of Christ. So how can we do that? How can we reflect that? How can we reflect Jesus into the world? I have heard this phrase more than ever this week, thoughts and prayers. We've all heard it. Heard it a lot over the years, but especially these past several days. And folks offering thoughts and prayers uh, with the best of intentions. But we've also heard folks commenting on just how hollow that phrase sounds right now. I remember preaching last year a sermon about thoughts and prayers and suggesting that oftentimes our thoughts and prayers need something. They need arms and legs They need hands and feet. They need something more substantive for them to be real. It's not enough simply to offer thoughts and prayers to people and then just move on, hoping that things are going to get better. Jesus is looking to us to make things better. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to give us the power to continue his ministry on earth not for us simply to pray and then to wash our hands of the messes that we've made. This is precisely, I believe, what our scripture passage has to tell us today that's helpful for us. Just as the two angels, these two men dressed in white robes, tell the disciples, 
as Jesus is ascending, we need to hear that same message for us today. They, they say to them, and they say to us, why are you looking to heaven? Don't just look up, they're saying. Use this power, this power that God has given you to work to bring God's kingdom on earth. Use it. I don't know what that means for, for us or for you specifically, but whatever that is, Jesus has, has delegated that power to you to be his witness in the world. Use that power. If that means for you working to reduce gun violence in our society, then do that. If that means for you spending time with or helping people who are struggling with their mental health, then do that. If it means for you volunteering at a local school to help children and teachers feel loved and cared for and safe, then, then do that. If it means for you working to elect people who you believe will help reduce violence and bring more Christ-like leadership into the culture, then get busy with that. Pray, too, Absolutely pray, but don't just look up and expect God to fix the problems that we've created. Oswald Chambers, uh, in his classic book, his classic devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, talked about prayer. This is one of the things he said, which I think is wonderful. He said, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and then I change things. So yes, pray. Pray, especially during difficult times like this. Thoughts and prayers, as much of a bad rap as they're getting right now, thoughts and prayers are wonderful if they're honest and sincere. And pray especially, as, as the ascension of Jesus reminds us, pray that Jesus will give power to our prayers. Power so that we can have muscle to our prayers. Not just so that we gaze heavenward and, and hope that things will get better, but so that we'll have strength and passion to make things better. To be witnesses for Christ in the world to continue his mission of peace and justice of love on earth. Or as Oswald Chambers might say, pray that God will change me so that I can change things. Amen.